You're listening to the Inside the Mix podcast with your host, Mark Matthews. Hello and welcome to the Inside the Mix podcast. I'm Mark Matthews, your host, musician, producer, and mix and mastering engineer. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about your favorite synth music artists, music engineering and production, songwriting, and the music industry. I've been writing, producing, mixing, and mastering music for over 15 years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Inside the Mix podcast. Now this is another Synth Pals virtual party, but it has been renamed to the Synth Pals virtual pub in this instance. Uh, what being British uh, as I am, I thought it'd be quite apt to to uh, bring in the pub notion. So I've got five individuals with me today, uh, five producers, artists. Um, so I'm just going to say a big hello to everyone. Just go around the room. So first we've got Aisle Nine. Hello. Hello. <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> and then we have How you doing? yeah i'm very well thank you i'm very well and then we've got neon highway hi guys lovely stuff and then we've got ghost georgie hey uh tota hi yeah hello and then we've got carmen noodles hello <laughs> yes so we, like i said off air i'm going to come back to that name so uh, this is the second episode of this. Now, the first one turned out to be um, relatively popular, hence why we're doing this again. Um, and for the audience listening, if you've never actually listened to an episode of the Inside the Mitz podcast, uh, first of all, I'll say why not um, or why. And also, um, this episode is basically just we're just going to be talking about music, essentially. Um, so the idea was to come to this with a question that you would put forward to the rest of the group. And um, we just come up with some ideas and, and sort of go from there. So, um, off air, Carl, Neon Highway, kindly agreed to go first with his question. So, uh, I'll proverbially open it up to the forum, of which it is uh, Carl. Uh, go ahead. What is your question? So, I guess I was thinking about, I see a lot of artists talk about their influences in the synth wave scene. Um, and a lot of people tend to go with modern artists. You know, a lot of people say The Midnight, FM84, Essinger, those types of guys. And you don't see a lot of people given our scene as retro, you don't see a lot of people harking back to the 80s and going, ah, oh, the cars and, uh, you know, whoever it, whoever else it may be in the 80s, but it always tends to be modern. So I guess the question is, do we see our influences more as modern retrowave artists or do a lot of us go back to those originals? That's a, that's a really good question, actually, because it's a question I always ask artists right at the beginning of an interview. It's like, what influenced them? growing up or oh, what influenced them way back when and um admittedly i think when i'm writing music if i probably look for the reference bank of artists that i have predominantly modern artists except if i'm doing like the dance music side of things and it goes back to the 90s but in saying that like yesterday i bought myself a sisters of mercy's uh vinyl um nice. which i cannot wait to to get to get to grips with so there is an element in me that wants to channel the older influences but i seem to always just gravitate to the I don't know why it is. I don't know. What's everyone else's thoughts? Anybody uh, got a thought on that one? Well, I, I mean, my, I know that Neon Highway, I know that both of us will cite uh, our sort of love of things like Joy Division and New Order and like, you know, I mean, quite. I've, I've, I've heard you talk quite a lot about, you know, um, older artists and I do as well. I mean, I sort of, I fear that that's just because I'm older and nothing to do with anything else. But like, you know, I mean, I do sort of, I mean, a lot of the things that craft work and all these sorts of things, I do put them in my bio because they were probably the things that originally turned me 
on to liking synth-based music at all because I hated synth-based music. I thought it was crap. Um, And basically I was into rock and nothing else when I was sort of, you know, first started getting into music. And then somehow that changed and it was a certain group of artists that changed my mind into that. And I think that's how I ever got into synthwave at all. I don't think I would have been producing synth-based music at the minute had at some point I not discovered that synth music um, or electronic music could be interesting, um, you know, next to just rock music, you know. So, um, yeah, they were definitely an influence on me. But I I listen to loads of modern artists as well, so I don't know. But I, I would say that they probably influence my sound more than like any particular modern artist but obviously like the kind of production style that we're in is a sort of hybrid we aren't well, most people aren't just making records that sound like the 80s i mean they are making records that are current and don't sound like anything else they sound like now to me um i could be wrong you know um and uh, it's probably eclectic mix of wherever you come from and whatever you've listened to. So I don't think it's just like, I don't think I sound like people came telling me Pet Shop Boys or something. And I, and it was just interesting because they sort of say my voice reminds me of the Pet Shop Boys or something. And it's like interesting because I didn't really like the Pet Shop Boys. Um, but like, you know, they're a seminal band and all that, but I just didn't really like them. I like West End Girls. I thought it was a great single, but... You know, but it's funny, people will say that and then they go like, well, I did love New Order and I always thought the Pet Shop Boys were sort of ripped off New Order. So I guess I did. I sort of like Pet Shop Boys and Joy Division were probably a big influence on New Order, uh, sort of influenced by New Order and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's weird. Like, it's a mixture of all these things. Yeah, that's my answer. Inconclusive as usual. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great answer. Um, Go around the room again. Has anybody got anybody else? I'm thinking of like in terms of their influences. Do they hark more towards modern or is it um, older or maybe an amalgamation of the two? Um, For me, it's it's kind of both. Um, I I really love soundscapes. So anything that I feel like is a rich soundscape. For me, keyboards are just my thing. It's just my... um, dominant instrument like I I studied piano music theory and stuff and so like piano was just kind of where writing music started for me and so I I it's not specifically so much um the 80s but it's like anything that I feel like has has really rich layers like for instance even like um 70s Frank Zappa when he was first uh starting to do like a lot of polysynths and stuff like that um like that's uh, very influential to me. Like, um, when I started, uh, working on the Halloween 77, like I, I assisted on that box set. It it was just incredible hearing like all the different tracks. Um, and I really love those vintage tones. So there's so much, there's so many layers and there's so much like going on. So that just kind of is the main thing kind of that, that inspires me, whether it's, um, you know, obviously this isn't specifically synthwave, it's dream pop, but like whether it's, whether it's Beach House, whether it's washed out like on the modern end or something like like Zappa because he, you know, was a composer first and foremost. So there are so many layers um, and every time you listen, you can hear something new. So that that's kind of what inspires me the most. Weasel's Rips My Flesh was a favourite of mine from Zappa. So there we go. Nice. Ever heard that? Weasel's Rip My Flesh by Zappa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great album. Yep. A very weird cover. <laughs> I've never given Zappa enough time, you know. I had a friend, I was in a band a few years back, and he would bang on about Zappa all the time. Ultimately, he left the band uh, for various reasons. Um, but 
maybe that's why it's not easy music is what i'd say <laughs> it's quite but i've heard it's very very influential uh, yeah it's great great stuff yeah what about yourself though so i'm going around the room now what about influences from your um music, i always feel shit when people ask me about influences because i'm so bad at what i listen to I'm, i mainly listen to a lot of hip-hop to be fair um but i have this um large or insane love of 80s aesthetics and I've I kind of honestly fell into uh, going at all towards the synthwave genre through vaporwave art I got so obsessed with the art uh, the same way that I would get obsessed with oh what a cliche she loves Blade Runner but everyone's shocked and appalled uh but you know that the visual together with the the soundscape and the music of it uh there's something to that um, retro futuristic extremely nostalgic and extremely dramatic um vibe both visually and uh through the music of it that i was extremely drawn to um and then i think it's kind of it's funny how you said you had a a background in classical piano uh right georgie because I, I have the same upbringing. My mother was a pianist and I've always played the piano. Um, and then I fell into playing the drums instead. Uh, and then like everyone who produces music, apparently I played in a punk band because that's what you do first before you start making beats. Um, so it's, uh, I can't honestly say that I keep up with modern artists that much. Uh, I think I pull a lot from movie soundtracks from the movies I would watch as a kid. And just 80s bangers. And also, the I have a background in musical theatre, of all things. And it's, again, the kind of extreme over-the-top drama. It just lends itself to the kind of 80s nostalgia vibe, um, which I never knew that I would love creating. But I, I absolutely just fell in love with. And uh, so it's not specific artists as such uh but i would say i I lean definitely more towards actually 80s material rather than modern artists but i think that's because i didn't i I didn't know a lot about synthwave until i started making it um so now through this community i'll go check out people's instagrams and drop a follow see what they're producing and uh, get really really inspired but i think as well it, I feel almost as if I'm coming at a side angle into the synthwave genre because I focus so heavily on uh, on the vocals as well, writing big uh, big vocals rather than writing really cool tracks. And that's just because I'm not a good enough producer yet to write really cool tracks. Um, but I, I get really inspired by people who can make instrumental tracks that are extremely um, uh, yeah still still dramatic and. Still have a curve and a dynamic that's uh, that's impressive yeah i think um that that whole aesthetics comment is is one that's prevalent for all the interviews i do in particular like it's quite interesting like with that 80s aesthetic and probably not just the 80s there is like if you look at the 90s and every other genre but you can almost be influenced by the the visuals before you even start writing music uh, which is which is the coolest thing about it um but what you mentioned there about not knowing synthwave before you started writing it is actually a conversation I had with the guys from Year of the Year, Year of the Fall, which was a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. It came out that episode, and they said the same. They started writing music, and then they didn't actually know what it was until they started listening to other music, and then they found it quite liberating because they didn't sort of make they didn't follow a formula per se 
which is and always an, an interesting concept, concept and conversation. But no, I totally agree with the, the visuals impacting the music. Um, the fact that I've got a neon light on here behind me, pretty much, it's pretty much a testament to that. And this really, really garish light in the corner, which is really annoying. Um, but the actual lights in the roof don't work. And you get those fixed. It's incredible how I can come at it from such an, uh, uh, a genuinely like original point of view and still end up, in my case, making very unoriginal music. Uh, <laughs> that sounds a lot like a lot of my friends' music, you know? Yeah. Um, it's quite cool, though, that you've, that you've come at, you, you predominantly sort of like that hip-hop influence because I think, I think it's yourself and, this is testing my memory, I think it's Herman from The Future Kids who is a big hip-hop um, lover. But as, 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 as you mentioned previously, it's, and I think you said there as well, the, the folk band, uh, not the folk band, the punk band. I was thinking of Opeth then. That's that's another conversation, isn't it? The whole Opeth one. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, that was amazing. Well, maybe we'll come on to that a bit later. Um, but yeah, and how we've all come from this this band sort of direction, which is amazing. Um, I'll go around the room again, so Karma Noodles, but first things first, what, what, where, where's that name come from? That was the first thing I was Yeah, thinking. that's that's quite a... <laughs> um, is, it safe, is it safe for the uh, podcast? Before? Oh, definitely, definitely. Oh, that's right then. It's, 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 it's a lot less interesting than it might, um, than it seems. Basically, I'm, I'm a massive video game geek, so I was sort of looking around video game titles to try and figure out, okay, I, I, originally I knew I wanted to do something that was sort of infused with in the same way that Synthway is very 80s nostalgia, I was like, okay, I want to try and tie myself to something with video games because that's what I'm crazy about, aside from music. <laughs> and uh, there's a Zelda game in particular that I'm very uh, crazy about called uh, Majora's Mask. Yes. And <laughs> the Japanese title of that game has uh, the word Kamen in it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That sounds cool. Um, so I was like, okay, that. And then obviously there's there's quite a famous anime that's uh, also got Carmen in it, so I was like, I can't just be Carmen. It's like Carmen kind of sounds like ramen. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that that it is a pun. I love a pun. I'm a sucker for a pun. Yeah, uh, and that and originally it was just supposed to be like yeah, <laughs> it was supposed to be like little guitar bits, uh, bits and pieces. So I was like, yeah, I'm I'm a classic serial noodler. So uh, that's that's sort of the merging of those two uh, <laughs> is Excellent. where the name come from. I get it now, and I realise it. Is it how would you pronounce it? Is it cam? Because it's I supposed think... to be carbon, yeah, like like ramen, but with the. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was being incredibly British and saying carbon, like no. it's, it's a posh English accent, and then getting it totally wrong. Um, but yeah, yeah. So go around influences again, mate. I know you. You're sort of you've sent me stuff, and it's you, you, you've got that synth music direction sort of thing. Um, you've also got the game. So would you say you're heavily influenced then by like, um, I haven't heard chip tune. Do you do chip tune? Oh, I, I have tried. I have tried drastically to try and incorporate a lot of chip tune uh, stuff into it. But it's like using the authentic way that they program it. It's, it's, it's completely rewiring your brain. Really? To relearn like, yeah, different. You have to use tracker software, which is like you have to like write in yeah, yeah. notes on a, on like a scroll bar and then it scrolls. Mm. It's, it can be quite oh, a... God. Yeah, right. for another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely incorporate a lot of video games since. <laughs> but yeah, it was quite interesting, especially I think soundscapes, especially uh, with I think it was uh, I think it was Georgie that mentioned about soundscapes, which is ironic. <laughs> but uh, that we, uh, but I, I would agree, I'm very much like uh, soundscapes. I would say is very much my uh, influence, and then just the love of hip hop, sort of over that, and trying to mesh those two uh, those two world, worlds together. 
We'll be right back. So I've got a hunch about a common struggle we all face, mastery. If you're an independent artist or music producer, you've probably encountered the frustration of masters that just don't hit the mark, right? They lack balance and refuse to play nicely across different devices and environments. Ever found yourself wondering, why don't my masters sound like my references? Perhaps you've spent countless hours attempting to master your tracks only to be unsatisfied with the results. Maybe you've tried every silver bullet plugin or even dabbled in AI. Or perhaps you're already working with an engineer, but you're eager to explore different possibilities. Well, here's the solution you've been searching for, Synth Music Mastering. I'm offering a game-changing opportunity with a one-time free test master for a limited time. Picture elevating your music with my unwavering commitment to quality and a personalized touch that you just don't get with the big mastering studios. The best part, it won't cost you a penny. Just submit your finished mix and let's see how we can transform your music together. Don't let mastering be a mystery any longer. Say goodbye to the frustration and step into a world of sonic excellence. Grab your free test master now, click the link in the episode description, or head over to synthmusicmastering.com. Yeah, there we go, another hip-hop one. That track, this, this is a total tangent. Now, that track you sent me recently, did that have any hip-hop elements in it, the one that I listened to? Um, I'm trying to. No, so that that was a so that was a synth wave. Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's yet to come. Uh, but um, yeah, that's more of a quite a synth wave sort of vibe. Yeah, but, um, I was yeah. Ex- experimenting with trap wave recently, um, but I got trap so f- yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded quite good at the beginning. I put in this. Um, I went with Foley sounds. Um, oh, as you know, George, I'm a I'm a big fan of our Foley days, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, I got this whole Foley sequence at the beginning, and it sounds incredible. But and I, uh, but the rest of the song I'm not sold on. But because the intro is so good, I might run with it. Um, but anyway, yeah, oh, excellent stuff. So I'm well aware of time, and I can re- this time can really get get away from you on these things because we're already sort of like almost a half an hour in. So next, moving on to another question. Does anybody else wanted to put a question to the to the forum before I probably choose one of George's here? I've got. Uh, got them up in front of me i was going to ask a question which was um well firstly out of any of us do any of us have merchandise have we sort of gone into the merchandise thing and uh, secondly you know sort of coming on from that at what point do you go into that you know what point do you feel it's justified to move out of just going like well you know, who wants to buy merch off me? You know, should I make merch? Or am I just going to be selling it to my grand? You know, um, who who wants it? Um, and so, you know, and also, I suppose, finally on that would be, if you are into it or going into it, how are you going to fulfil it? How are you going to do it? Are you planning on doing it through sort of like someone who fulfils it online or make, are you going to get them printed and just like, I'm just, merch in general is a question, a whole topic that I'm interested in and sort of to see how many of us are getting into that because I'm told that pretty much it's the way forward in, in terms of making some revenue back from your music eventually is to is to do merch because no one pays for music. So <laughs> that's apparently the basics of it. I think that's a, a fantastic question, Tim, um, with merch because I've, I've been toying with the idea of like podcast-related merch and in particular I was mm. thinking um, um, stickers or, 
was like, oh, thank you for the support. Um, yeah. Stickers or, or something along those lines or T-shirts. I was going to roll up with something like a monthly giveaway or something. So, I, I, But much like you said then, I was going to have a what, mug. At what stage? I'd like to have mug. mugs. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I might, I might a podcast mug would be really cool. Stein as well. Steins would be quite cool. Something along those lines. Um, yeah. But I remember being in a band years ago and we had merch and we, 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 we probably released an EP and then we we're like, oh, we'll go out and buy loads of merch. And we got lumbered with 500 CDs that we never sold um, and a load of t shirts that we ended, th- ended up throwing into the crowd, um, of which there were about 10 and it would just be on the floor. Uh, but no, I, I don't know what the answer is to that, at what point you do it, because I've seen a few artists now. I know Pensacola Mist, who I had on the podcast a few weeks back, they've just released mm. some stickers, and the stickers look insane. They look so good. Um, but I don't know what what at what point did you have to wait. I don't think followers, like if you look at your social media following, I don't necessarily know if that's a, a metric to use because I don't know how many of them would... I don't know what the engagement would be on that. I don't know what anyone else has thought. Yeah, back to your original, the first question then. Has anybody got merch? I I have stickers um, and CDs. Like the stickers, I pretty much just give them away. Like I do giveaways uh, pretty re- uh, regularly. And I'll just say, does anybody in this region want a sticker? Like and comment. I, I usually do it on Twitter and then people will um, participate. And then I'll just send them stickers and I'll send them a little letter and a sticker and people just enjoy it, you know, um, and they're they're cool. They're holographic. So I just kind of give those away. I haven't sold any, um, but people do really enjoy them. And then I have CDs. I haven't sold that many of them, um, and I have given a lot of them away. But it's just kind of good to have as an option. You know, I, I did a limited run of them because I knew I wasn't going to sell a ton of them. It was the debut EP, and, you know, I don't have a massive fan base Um at this point so you know but just have something available and i have it just up on Bandcamp, so it's there if anybody wants it and it's there you know if because i'm planning to start playing um more in-person shows soon i've only been doing like live streaming um for a while so you know just to have it if people need it other than that though i haven't but i think it's good to have something even to just give people like a sticker you know something that's not too expensive but just people enjoy that i think hmm I definitely think if you're playing live, having something tangible mm-hmm. and being able to give away um, is, is fantastic. Um, definitely haven't been down that road. But I think if you're, because I don't how many, because I know you perform live, um, Georgie, and Toto, you, you perform live as well, don't you? Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, uh, other George. Do you perform? Are you, are you in a band at the moment? Are you performing live? Uh, sadly, not with this, not with this outfit, uh, not with, under this moniker. Uh, yeah, it's a bit different with the kind of music I'm making anyway. Uh, to try and translate that to live is, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But it'd be interesting whether, uh, if you're just a sort of like a studio producer, I think at what point you bring it in. Because I think if you're gigging, it's useful, as you say, to have something that you can hand out, like stickers. We used to have business. I don't know why we had business cards. Um, we, weren't a, <laughs> we weren't really a business. Um, but it probably just got used for roach paper, to be honest. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah for the audience listening that's what you put when you have a rolled up cigarette i don't know if that translates to other countries um at the beginning anyway um yeah at, at what point you have it as a as a studio producer in terms of what merchandise would you if you were to get merchandise in what would you go for first well you know i mean t- i mean this is the thing i think like 
you don't want to avoid your garage being filled up with merch is my concept. So if you were to come up with a good design that can go on a T-shirt, on a mug or whatever, like T-shirts seem like meh. T-shirts. You know, um, I might well buy a T-shirt, I guess. Other people might. Um, I mean, like Car and Zoe Lee seems to be doing well with their T-shirts. They seem to be everywhere. Everyone's wearing they a Car and Zoe Lee T-shirt. Um, you know, uh, so I, I think I might do that, but I think the way I would have to do it is through one of these kind of companies that sort of does it on demand so that, you know, when somebody actually buys one, they make one and send one out, which obviously you get much less money per T-shirt. But then... You don't have a garage full of them, and if nobody buys one, I assume you're not out of pocket. So that would be the sort of way of looking at it, I think. But um, I know that it's even in Spotify now that you can connect Spotify with it. I think it's through Shopify, isn't it, or something like that. They, they've got a way of connecting you now, and like you know, so it's coming to Spotify. I think in a bigger way. I think it will see it happen more and more, so that you can just be on Spotify listening to stuff and go. Oh, I actually want to buy some merch off of this and buy it through the through the app. And of course, that would be a way that I can imagine lots of people doing it, you know, and they might just be listening to your music like your music and buy it. So, you know, guess that's what I'm looking at. So but I'm I'm not sure that I'm there at all for making it yet. Um, but you know, I don't want to jump the gun. But I'm thinking about it, you know. Neon Highway buy one, I reckon. I'd buy one as well, mate. I, th- I, th- I think you could test yeah, you'd the waters. Buy one. I've got two. Georgie, anyone else? Yeah. No, I'm just, um, yeah, you know. Test the waters then with the, with yeah. the uh, what do you say, it's um, on demand, isn't it? Um, yeah. Would be the way yeah. to go. Um, I think I might look into that at some point. I, I, was, I was talking to Star Madman last week about this, and I think she uses Redbubble, which uh, I've purchased loads of T-shirts off Redbubble, just things in the past, geek T-shirts, but I, never, I didn't know that they they would do kind of custom stuff for artists, but she seems to do it that way and it's it's on demand. It's It means that you've not got a garage full of merchandise there. So that that's a possible way forward. But again, like you said, Tim, you might not make that much money. You might end up with like a pound 83 off each T-shirt yourself. But, and I think also, if I think about more established artists that, you know, synth artists that have got tens of thousands of followers that I follow and i don't even tend to buy merchandise a lot of them so i'm kind of like nobody's gonna buy my family won't even buy a t-shirt if i put one out so i I think for me it's 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 not a possibility at the moment but it's it's a really good question about when when do you pass that threshold and say it's time to start getting into that i don't know maybe i'll make tote bags everyone's got one of them yeah <laughs> they're, they're crazy. Put your, in a, put your shopping in an aisle nine bag, you see. I mean, it makes sense. There's a supermarket yeah, I mean, connection there. I think <laughs> we've mentioned it the last time. I think the last time we had a chat, I'd just been at the Nine Inch Nails gigs and they were doing tote bags. It was like £35 for Jeez. a Nine Inch Nails tote bag. And I was like, I can get a t shirt for 30 quid or I can buy a bag to put it in for 35 quid. It was, it's just crazy prices for a tote bag. Absolutely, that's, that's mad. Considering what it is to make a tote bag, I mean, <laughs> exactly. It's just, I'm assuming it's just a press. They just press exactly. an image on yeah. it, yeah. unless it's made out of like hemp or something along those lines. They've gone, <laughs> they've gone incredibly niche. Yeah, may, I'm, maybe I'm just going to have to come up with something that other people don't try and sell as merch. Something unique, like you know, I don't know, sort of paint Tupperware or something by R9 or something. You know, something <laughs> a, a bit different. I, I like the <laughs> 
Oh no, beer. Well, I've got, I've got a stunning a beer idea. tonight. This is the best of the West Country. I have to say, I'm not sponsored by them, but um, this is called Buttcum. Yeah, Gore oh, I know Buttcum very well. And, uh, this, yeah, yeah. It, uh, you don't pronounce it as coom when you're in the West Country. No. I was told this. No, I'd always said Buttcum, being you know nicely brought up. But no, apparently coom is produced cum. So it's Buttcum. Yeah. Great Have you been to the breweries near Bristol? Yeah, yeah, Bristol, yeah, Bristol-born apparently. So yeah, yeah. Mm. It's just it's, as you come to Bristol Airport, it's going to bore everyone now. Um, Buckham is just before Bristol Airport. You'll see a sign for it. Um, it's very nice, isn't it? Uh, it, it frequents it many of the it's pubs lovely. down this way. Yeah, yeah very good um, for those transatlantic the transatlantic audience. If you're ever in the UK, um, yeah, seek it out. It's it's very good. I've got beer at Moretti, so I've gone slightly into, more international today. I, I was going to have a bottle of Bishop's Finger, but I went against it and got this one instead. Oh, we could have had Buckcum and Bishop's Finger. It would have been good. <laughs> I've got a Boris Lye PA. Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic. It's a hazy, untransparent beer, much like its namesake. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't even know that existed. Imagine all those three that's in fantastic. one, the Bishop's Finger, Buckcum, and then mm. Boris. It'd be, that's quite, yeah, quite an interesting yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, anyway. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to get into slight... sort of product placement here. <laughs> no, I'm, st- I'm still looking out more um, in, in search of that sponsorship. So um, who knows? The way it's, the podcast is growing, it could happen, you know. It's, it's, it's growing quite nicely. I'm not sure I'd want um, to be sponsored by Buckcum, actually. It's, uh, I think it could be <laughs> I don't know. I, to be fair, if they came knocking at my door, I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm. Uh, and, and anyway, it's uh, like slight, slight sure. digression. Um, tone, where we mer- merchandise, wasn't it? Yeah, merchandise. Mm. Um, going back to what you said just now about Karen, it's Karen Zoe Lee, isn't it? The name I always get the, the Zoe and the Lee around the wrong way. I do find because I see so many of the t-shirts, though, part of my brain's like, oh man, I want to get one of those t-shirts. I, I, I want to get one purely because I see it so much. However, and they look when good. I see, uh, yeah, yeah, but when I see a larger artist and you see like. Every man and his dog, let's say, with like a Metallica T-shirt. And then I'm just like, I'm, I'm indifferent. But maybe it's because I'm more inclined to support more independent, smaller artists. An independent artists. artist, yeah. Yeah, who is yeah, or, quite or presenter, prolif- yeah. proliferating. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? You just basically got to get... Go on, Carl. I, I was just saying, it's good for the artists as well. You know, there's, been, there's actually been quite a few artists I've discovered through KZL T-shirts. Because like, she'll repost it on our page. I'm like, who's that? And I have a wee listen to them and go, they're absolutely brilliant. So it's it's it cross promotion. You know, it's, it's this whole synth wave community we talked about the last time. The networking it's is so invaluable and it's brilliant. And the support that we give each other that I think that's just another part of it. This whole sort of t-shirt promotion she's got on the go. It's fantastic. If I if I were to do it personally as like a podcast, I suppose it's slightly different as an artist. I don't know if I'd create merch for my own name. I think that's very very. As just Mark Matthews merch, I might be quite narcissistic of me, um, but I think if I'm the podcast, I think I would just give. My plan was to give it away. I was going to do like a monthly thing whereby somebody, <clears throat> if you share a post that I put out for the podcast, and then I'll do a like a tombola. Is it tombola? Yeah, it would be tombola, something like that. And I'll pull a name out of a hat and then just fire them a free T-shirt. That's that's the thought process I was going to have because obviously I'm not live on the road. If I was on the road, I'd just be throwing T-shirts out to a crowd. But mm, it's a tricky one when when you start doing that. When do you get merch? Maybe I think the 
uh, on-demand one is probably the way to start. I would say. I think with, with you, Mark, you need to you need to have that tagline on the T-shirt, big bold letters that says, "If you're into synth music, you know your intro that you do for the podcast." Oh, Hi, yeah. I'm Mark Matthews. If you're into synth music, <laughs> boom, and then the logo. <laughs> That'd yeah, be yeah, yeah. I need to refresh that. I need to refresh that intro. Yeah. It's so ingrained now. Every time the podcast episode comes on, it's like, here we go. <laughs> you know, it's it's like when you watch Star Wars and the twentieth century fox I comes think up. Carmen noodles film. might have a problem <laughs> because I think if you do t-shirts, Carmen, uh, if you do t-shirts, I think we, we, you're going to get people trying to phone up an order. Like they're going to want to, <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to want you to deliver them. Can I have some Carmen noodles, please? They're going to, you're going to have to start off a franchise. I think it will become, it could work in your favour. You never know. I, I almost want to eat some Carmen noodles already tonight. So there we go. <laughs> that, that's yeah. an angle you could work though. You could have like <laughs> merchandise, and then it's just like noodles. You know? Yeah. yeah as long as it, it didn't have my phone number on it. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> But I think I think you were going to mention something about vinyl, then. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that nobody really mentioned vinyl because I've I've noticed, especially in like the synth community, like uh, vinyls like been quite massive, at least from what I've noticed. Most synth artists are, yeah, cassettes as well. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, yeah, it's a bit different, I guess. The t-shirts really. Uh... Vinyl seems so expensive, like to to print. Is it? It is. Yeah. You've got to put yeah. a lot of money out for it. Yeah, for sure. And you can't yeah, get it on demand. On you do have to. Yeah, you have to put yeah. it up front yeah. to get them made. I'd, I'd love to get some vinyl done, but a, I feel like I'd have to have something justifiable to put on it. I don't feel like I've made something worthy of vinyl, and um, I, I, you know, it is a lot of money to put up. Um, but I'd love to do it one day. Yeah, because I'm a bit of a vinyl. It'd be lover. great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I to- yeah. toyed with the idea of getting a lathe. Um, I'd never used one before, but um, there are a few thousand, um, so I didn't. Um, but no, I'd love to have a vinyl lathe and start cutting vinyl. Um, there's a place, I think it's in Bristol actually, where they do that. And then, no, no, Taunton. I tell a lie. My hometown. You can get a vinyl cut there. Loud mastering. They've done some huge yeah. records in there. And for sleepy Taunton, Madonna, uh, massive, massive records. Um, but well, no, vinyl is sure about cassettes. Yeah, Anyone else? I mean, I'm, yeah, I've, just... I've been the same. Hmm. But it's big, isn't it? People love it, but quite nice physical things. But you know, do you think they listen to the cassette though, or is it just a, for a visual thing? I could sell them without audio and see. <laughs> <laughs> I could just sell so blank records that. and see if anyone listens to them as <laughs> <Blank> well. <tapes. laughs> Uh, I think we're talking about cassettes. Oh, yeah, no, just that... Because uh, I've been thinking about having something to sell after performing more live with this solo project. Um, th- because I, I've also felt like nobody's going to buy it if that doesn't come and see me. But when I played live, people did ask for stuff. Uh, so I, I figured it'd be good to have a, a very tiny selection and just completely off the books produce it myself and and sell it there and I didn't want to go vinyl because it's been it can be a bit tough to sell and they're pricey usually from when I've done it with bands and it's different if you have the backing of a of a label of course but even with that we would like uh, at times almost struggle to break even even though we had a decent following so I figured as a as a solo artist on the scale that I'm working it was just not reasonable but I didn't want something that nobody could actually use 
So I'm considering actually printing custom USB sticks with my songs on them and perhaps an added bonus track of commentary or some such, but with like a cool retro looking logo. I figure it kind of fits into the vaporwave aesthetic as well if I make it look like a data chip in an old movie or something. Um, that could be quite cool, but I, I can't seem to scrounge up the money to do it. I keep just recording new shit instead. Um, but, you know, that's what I think is most fun. But eventually, I think that uh, I might give that a try because I feel like it's something useful as well. Everybody loves a USB stick. Uh, it's kind of nice to have. Um, mm. But, yeah. I gigged with a band a few years back who did that. They had USB sticks and they were... The sticks in my mind, they're really popular, actually, and mm. the USB sticks. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. It's cheap idea enough as well. Reusable. Would you make it so they couldn't... I don't know. Would you make no, it so they couldn't... No, of course not. I'm like, this it... USB is only for my music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the point is for it to be useful, <laughs> because I know that anybody can just listen to it on Spotify or YouTube. I know some like, artists the who music's wouldn't out there for to free. be used for anything else. Sorry. <laughs> Who <laughs> would lock it? Down. Only, only. What was it? Butcom promo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a Butcom USB stick. I'd love it if they did that. I don't even know what you'd do that anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah terrible. Uh, this is going to be on the explicit. Yeah. Yeah, I got to put the E on this one for this episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, nah, yeah, merch is an ongoing one. It'd be interesting to see what people do for merch going forward. I see a lot of it banded about. I think for me as a podcast, I think we go down mugs, get a mug, syringes, be a flagging. What was that? Sorry, Tim. What syringes? Sorry, it was a random <laughs> comment. <laughs> I'm not entirely Inject sure. yourself that... with R nine. No, sorry. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm being. Very random. Just ignore me. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that you started... should do like uh, mouse pads. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. With the soundscapes yeah. that you make. That'd be I'm being random, but I mean, it's that sort of thing of thinking out the box. Actually, is like I wasn't being serious, but like you know, just just different things. Yeah, like I think the USB stick's a great idea. I think like something that you know isn't you know the the norm, but is useful, as you say, is something that. Is just a bit different, but like ho hopefully doesn't cost you a fortune to produce, but you know promotes you and actually people might buy because the wood like mouse pads, you know, all kinds of things, stationary. I items. thought it could be cool, like a uh, if someone buys it and brings it to the next gig, they get the new songs for free on oh. the USB stick. Like you could cool. make a whole thing out of it. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. But Encouraging yeah, for that... repeat customers. Exactly, exactly. Show up to the gig. Like, yeah, mm. or you could do it whereby you could like give. No, you can't really have half a USB stick. You can give half of something away here, and you have to come to the next gig, and you get the other half. Or the other third. I don't know what that would be. You can't really give away half of you. Or, or you give away the USB stick, and you have to come to the next gig to get the encryption key for it to actually unencrypt the uh, <laughs> USB. I mean, that's a lot of commitment on their behalf. That's but pretty cool, though. Selling faulty goods. <laughs> 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 You just have a sort of like, like sort of treasure hunt going on, where you got a clue each time. That eventually, you would finally, after buying all of these things, finally get to the end and get the prize. No, sorry, it's but like geocaching. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Geocaching. You could do that. You go. Here's the first clue. 
Um, yeah. It's on this USB stick. You can listen to the music at the same time as while well, yeah. you're solving this riddle. And then it'll take you on to the next thing. I mean, that that's a lot of input on your behalf <laughs> as an artist to come up with mm. this whole elaborate sort of crystal maze scheme. It, it, this is the whole question with merch, isn't it? Is whether it takes you away from the music, which is what really you want to make. And it's the question with artwork. It's uh, with lots of things you can get into in music. And uh, they're, they're telling us all the time that rather than just making music in order to make a living out of music or to fund your music or whatever, you need to do other things. And the trouble is a lot of us as artists would say, like, what we want to make is music. We don't want to be sidetracked into doing all these other things. But sometimes I think they can be extensions of your creative process, extensions of your music, extensions of what you're trying to do. And then they become more interesting as an artist. If you think, oh, this kind of extends what I'm trying to do or say or communicate, then it's interesting, but you don't really want it to be like, oh, no, I've got to produce all this stuff because if I don't produce this, I won't be able to make the next record or whatever. So, you know, I think that's the question. I think it kind of reflects you. I think as, a, as an individual, as, an, as a creative as well, going back to what I said about geocaching and getting them to go down some sort of pathway where they solve these riddles and these various locations and stuff, it starts to reflect your own personality. Yeah, um, yeah. Which Not could be I good for some people. Cash, but and it could work. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's sort of it's a breakaway from the usual, usual, um, usual merge, isn't it? Let's take a quick break from this episode so that I can tell you about a free resource that I made for you. It's a PDF checklist that describes what you need to do to properly prepare a mix for mastering. So you've done the hard work and you love your mix. Yet suitably preparing a mix for mastering is often overlooked by musicians, resulting in delayed sessions, excessive back and forth conversation and frustration on both parts. I want to help fix that. So if you want this free resource, just go to www.synthmusicmastering.com as this checklist will help and guide you to make the mastering process as smooth, transparent and exciting as possible. So again, the URL is www.synthmusicmastering.com for this free preparing a mix for mastering checklist. Let's get back to the episode. I'm well aware of time, folks. We're 40 minutes in, so um, we've probably got enough time for one more question. Has anybody got a, a pressing question they would like to put to everyone else? Uh, I think, well, this one out of the ones I suggested, I think was the best. I was, what traps should novice producers be aware of? And basically, I've noticed, sort of obviously, I think all of you have been, been a novice at some time. <laughs> And, um, you know, with so there's so much information, so many tools available to new producers that I think it's quite, you know, there are a lot of things sometimes you have to buy the ticket and sort of, yeah, be, <laughs> yeah, there's some things you have to be wary of, I think, as a new producer. And, I, like, it's amazing. Like, on YouTube, I've gotten so many, like, adverts for things that, like, if you just take a second to think about it with maybe a more of experienced head, you're like, do I really need this or spend there's a lot of quick fixes in in the modern music production so uh, yeah i was wondering if if you if uh, you know if you all had, uh, like encountered some of these and what you could maybe advise the audience against it's a good question mate go on go on Carl. yeah i mean personally for me you touched on it recently mark um and this is purely for me it might work for somebody else but we talked about these master kind of programs that are online, you know, like eMastern or uh, I can't remember what some of the other ones were. So if a novice producer is struggling, um, they've got their track, they've mixed it, but they just need to get the master done and they're uploading it to this algorithm that's doing it for them. And it's spitting out a, a fairly decent master, but 
I, I, I did a trial of that once and I, I thought it was okay. But Mark, I think we had a conversation about it and we agreed that the best thing is your own ear, is your music, you know, you mastering it um, or working with somebody collaboratively to get what is ultimately your end vision. But I, personally, an algorithm is something that, that I would stay away from um, it, as, a, as a final sort of an ultimate solution there, you know, certainly as an interim to give you an idea or point you in the right direction, yeah, it might be a stepping stone, but I don't see that as a viable every time you produce a track, upload it to the algorithm and that's your master. Yeah, I remember having that conversation with you about about that and it is, um, I think the, the key phrase you said there, I'll turn myself up a minute, is collaborating with someone if you're, if you're going to like outsource your music to them and working with them to... Um, sort of create your vision for your music and interestingly i just did a, an interview with an artist just before this and we were having that exact same discussion so i asked him like what advice would you give for someone who's looking for a mix or mastering engineer or a producer and he said someone who sits in your genre and also someone who you need to build that relationship that working relationship with um it's an interesting one that uh, i know um georgie um you you mix uh, you're an en- mm-hmm. audio engineer by trade aren't yeah. you what, what are your thoughts yeah. on that um as far as uh, just kind of like the algorithmic mastering pipeline thing or or in general, just things to watch out for. Let's start with the the, the algorithm pipeline and then move on yeah. to, the, to the next yeah, one. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it's really important to um, have that collaborative aspect. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's never, it's going to be kind of like a, just like a template where there's, there's not that many possibilities and, you know, kind of like what you were saying, it's 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 okay, but it's it's really not going to be as good. I think it's yeah, best to have a, a working relationship with someone. I mean, like, you know, for instance, for me, like when I when it came time to do the mastering um, for my EP last year, I I um, I sat down with um, uh, my mentor actually, um, Craig Parker Adams, who I, I'd done like a lot of. I was his assistant for many years um, on different projects. We sat down and we just went through everything and. Um, you know, and I, I don't know, I think that's best, um, you know, if, if either do it yourself or do it with somebody and where you can have like creative control because yeah, I mean, just kind of to echo it's, it's your vision, it's your ear. Um, and you kind of have to like trust that, you know, as long as, um, you know, as long as it's feeling good, nothing's, um, you know, it's, it's sounding good and it's feeling good and it's, it's a quality that is, um, professional. I mean, I think that's, you don't really need that kind of, um, gimmicky algorithm stuff no no i i would agree on that i think the i i have i i had a beta version of one platform i won't disclose which one but i use it as a as a tool just if i want to do a quick master for referencing purposes or i want to send it to someone to check out but i think i would always always go with a set of ears over um over a template as you say so the, the i think going back to what george's original question was um was it novice producers be wary of wasn't it george yeah 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 yeah. yeah. So whether it be like a plugin or like a course or something like that. Yeah, I think um there are so many things. I don't know about you. As soon as you start shopping online and I see as you say there about about um adverts and I see so many adverts selling me the next silver bullet to make a hit record. And I see a lot of those or a silver bullet to come up with a a chord progression. Um like hit A on the MIDI keyboard and it will come up I mean, if you're stuck for ideas, it's great. Don't get me wrong, but I think, as you say, there are so many things that you have to sort of sift through and also information as well. Like There's so much information out there. 
specifically if you scroll through Instagram, there's loads and loads of videos and stuff. I know I'm, I'm guilty of doing it myself, to be fair. So I can't really knock anybody else for putting um, information out there. Um, but for me personally, I think it's it's things like that. It's being wary of like the silver bullet um, as as a as a as an artist, and you can easily spend a load of, shed load of cash. I think thinking that this is going to be incredible for you, but um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the that's cords, that's my thought. The chords thing's funny that you touched on that. I, there's one advert in particular that I laugh at quite a lot because it's like, you know what you need? You don't need simple chords. You need pro level chords. And I'm like, what? What's a pro level chord? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly. It. Look at ACDC. I mean, they, <laughs> status quo. They made a career out of like three chords for Christ's sake. Yeah. I mean, they, like, what, they pro, the what, how do you define chords. a pro level chord? Yeah, none of them got it. They, it was just add a nine. And it's a pro level call. Yeah. It's simple. And they all missed <laughs> yeah. it. And, and and they would have done so much better if ACDC had not been A, D, and E, but A9, D9, and E9. Of course, they would have been a better band, obviously. He says, I'd not being serious. I'd love somebody at all. to go through their back catalogue and do that. Just go through the ACDC <laughs> back catalogue and add, like, yeah, just add, add sus to some augmented notes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ridiculous thing, isn't it? What's a pro level chord? Yeah. Yeah. Did it say what a pro level chord was? It sadly didn't give an example of it, but it was like the reason your music is, uh, you know, it's not sounding good enough. It's not getting into playlists because you don't use pro level chords. I often find I see those and usually it's a case of like, and they just say, just move the chord on up an octave and then it suddenly becomes a pro level chord. Um, I've seen that a few <laughs> times, moving up an octave. Um, to be fair, I do Although that it's sometimes. great to move, move your triad and find that there are different inversions. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? The inversion of a chord is something that some people miss out their entire musical career, and you're going like, hmm, okay. Would have been really interesting had you discovered that it doesn't have to start on the root note, but there we go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, what I mean is simple changes. Oh, just, yeah, changing up the voicings and verting chord. I mean, yeah, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be something crazy complicated to be good, but I mean, no. yeah, just... Um, Switching the note order, I mean, it, it changes the vibe. I think chords are massively important. I interviewed um, Ed Sunglasses Kid a few weeks ago, um, <clears throat> and he said that. He said whenever he starts out a track, he gets the chords down, and uh, he'll flesh the whole thing out with chords. Um, he'll put down like a basic um, kit over it. Doesn't get hung up on what the kit sounds like because he's going to go and replace it at a later date. But he just fleshes the chords out, or bass, sometimes a bass line, because we had the exact same discussion. Um, and he mentioned, he said about chords, he's like, the chords can make or break it, like in terms of the chord progression. And, and a lot of the time he says he gets, when he gets feet, he asks, he gets asked for feedback on mixes and mastering or mixes. And he says a lot of the time it's nothing to do with the mix, it's to do with the chord progression in terms of like where they're going to take the song. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's key chords. I know it's slight deviation from the original point. But. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it comes through really strongly in Ed's stuff, like Sunglasses Kid. For me, when I listen to it, I'm, I'm basically listening just to hear what chord progression he's going to do next. It's just yeah. amazing. It's so emotive and mystical and like there's so much depth to it. It's, it's beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful stuff to listen to. You'll love that episode because he yeah. um, he is a wealth of information. I basically just sat back like that and <laughs> just listened <laughs> to him and every now and again just chimed in with a question. But uh, no, he's brilliant. Um, one thing I did take away, this is a tangent again, I think actually this is good for novice producers and new producers is presets in terms of he said he's he uses presets all the time he's just like well why re why why reinvent the wheel i know it sound design is great and i do it as well but i think that's another thing don't be afraid to just 
like if you've got a preset bank, explore it and see what's in there and use it. Whereas I know that can be a bit of a, a contentious thing. I see, I've had, I put a post out recently where I said it's okay to use presets and or loops and somebody disagreed with me in one shape, what way, shape or form. Um, but yeah, I think that's another one. It's another one that's like, you know, like you were saying with the preset banks and things, it's not, it's very easy to think like, oh, if I sort of, you know, bought a better plugin that doesn't come with my DAW or something, that will make the sounds automatically better when actually, I mean, it's quite possible that you could produce a fantastic track with the sounds in your DAW without ever buying an additional plugin. Yes, I have lots of additional plugins. I love plugins, but like, you know, um, and I, I, I do have a voracious appetite for just trying new things. But like, you know, you don't, it's weird. I did a mix for someone the other day and I was trying to do a mix within my DAW with just the, um, just the plugins that come, the stock plugins that come with it. So I could send it to them, they could open it in theirs, and then they could listen to what I'd done. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have used those plugins. I've got other plugins that I tend to use a lot. But I suddenly sort of discovered how much I could do pretty much everything that I would normally do with just what was in my DAW anyway. So I was like, yeah, actually, it doesn't really sound that much different than all the other expensive plugins that I just spent ages buying. Yeah, and I think it's so much about learning about, you know, you've got a compressor. How do you use that compressor? You know, what's different than the vintage one to the standard one or whatever they call it in your DAW, you know, and, and just, you know, it's very easy to think if I had this, I mean, it's pretty much what you were saying, Mark, but like, it's like, you know, if I had this, then my track would be good or my, no, it's probably the bare bones of your track is the important thing like the the you know the lyrics the the vocal the um you know the vibe the groove the chord progression the the bare bones of your track the sound you know the the way you're putting different sounds together i mean that's another bugbear of mine is why people think that although there are people who can make multiple lines work all simultaneously most people can't that would be my one thing. It's like, how many elements does your track actually need at any one time to be really good? Because so many of the things that really get to me is when somebody goes like, I've got like 10 elements all going on doing something melodic or something. And I'd be going like, yeah, it sounds like garbage, mate. I really don't know why you think, you know. And that's just to me. But like so many records that are great don't do that why because most of us can't i mean frank zappa might be an exception but like you know why can't you sort of like can you can't cope with listening to all of these things and keep attention on them all the time so often if you're doing too much you are going to confuse people you are going to lose people so maybe pair it back and try and work out what elements you need to make it work so less is more yeah, and just really dialing in those particular elements is more important yeah. than having a bunch of different things happening. Yeah, rather than having loads of expensive plugins or different things, whatever, dialing in those elements, yeah. Definitely. I, I was about to, to the original question, my only tip was to use um, use free plugins first. Don't buy expensive things straight away thinking that it'll guarantee you a a top track what you're trying to do in the beginning is become your own producer right become your own own songwriter anyway so use tools that are free so that you can like in a pressure-free environment just create um and that what, what was the last part that you said 
I think it was the, less the, is more, isn't it? I think. With yes, the yeah, yes. Right. Yeah. I was thinking in the in the dance world, for, we say kill your darlings, uh, the things that you um, that you like but that are unnecessary or over the top. Uh, it, it like to always check your track and remove if it doesn't actually. If you can remove it and the track doesn't feel like less of the song, then remove it. Um, you, you don't want unnecessary elements in there. And a, a way to just a, a little bit of a side note, but how I try to catch what I actually want the track to focus on if I've got too many elements is I'll, the way that I, when I present it to someone else and they kind of sing along to it, if they're not singing along to what I'm thinking of in my head, if I'm thinking of the bass line, but they're singing along to some chord progression that I've added on top, I'm like, oh shit, no, I should take away um, <clears throat> the keys that I have on top of my bass line in this particular uh, part because obviously what I want the listener to listen to right now is the bass line that I'm humming so just noticing what you yourself listen to in your own track and then prioritizing that to build a yeah. dynamic if you have a yeah. lot of different elements going on yeah definitely yeah, that's a great tip that, that is Absolutely. and it's um it's I, I do something similar but I never thought of doing it that way which is I, I play it to my play it to my girlfriend and if she hums the melody uh, later then i know it works but i love the idea that if she i'll look out for that now if she doesn't hum the main melody and something totally different then i'll know that something's gone slightly awry but it sort of it also echoes i had this conversation with an artist earlier today again where we were discussing how like if you um a part a piece a key bit of information he was given was much that it was just like less is more and that he's some of the top artists will say that and if you look at the records they produce or released they are Sim simple in comparison to a lot of, like what Tim was saying there about having 10 different things going off at the, off at the same time, um, which I've been guilty of. And one of the things I, I now do when I, when I, before I mix is, is what you said, Toto, which is I'll go through, I'll mute everything and I'll add it. And then if it doesn't add anything, I just can it and I'll go through the whole thing and get rid of it. Cause I release, I've released one track and I listen to it and I'm like, oh man, that, it sounds so muddy in places because I've got too much shit going on. Um, and uh, I got my fingers burnt a bit. So, yeah, I totally agree with that one there. I think, folks, it's we're almost at an hour now. Um, and I've realized Tim's put on the fancy lights in the background there for if you're watching this on YouTube. So uh, and <laughs> very, very good. So what we'll do is um, I'm going to put all your information in the episode notes, as I always do. But if we just go around and then just um, if you just want to shout out where the audience can find you online um, and maybe just like... Uh, I should I should have said maybe I'll do this next time like elevator pitches that'd be quite cool, um, but like a sh a brief description uh, or of, of your music, um, brief brief description of your music, and then uh, shorts uh, and then your sort of tags online. So I'll go around I'll snake around. So Tim R nine, do you want to go first? Okay, yeah. Um, I guess my music is sort of um, synthwave based, but like you know, synth pop, retro pop, various other things come into it. Um, and um, uh, you know, some of my music is vocal, and some of my music is instrumental. Um, uh, it's all a little bit. I guess I'd like to think it's all got a little bit of a quirk to it. Um, it you know, it's not too sort of by numbers. Um, so um, and um, you can find me 
on you know all the streaming channels spotify and whatever um and apple music um you can also find me on instagram a lot on our at r9 music and you can find me on twitter tiktok all the other social media things normally at r9 music sometimes at r9 synthwave on twitter i believe but like yeah and youtube um i'm around i'm around Yes, go check out his YouTube actually, because I think the the walkthrough you did of your track was was great. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah twenty minute walkthrough. It was it was it wasn't as good as the tea commercial. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you should have done that as like a prelim to the to the release of it. The tea. Yeah. Although what I realised with YouTube is you just I don't know I just get a lot of thumbs down for the stuff I put up, which I quite oh, like to be fair in a, yeah. in a in a weird weird sort of way. <laughs> there you go. Um, Neon Highway. We'll go around to yourself next. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I've produced what I would say is synth music, not strictly synth wave, but it is rooted, I guess, in synth wave. Um, so sort of exploring ambient electronica and kind of more darker sounds at times as well, uh, which I'm a big fan of. Um, easiest way to find me is at Neon Highway Synth on Instagram. Um, the music's streaming on all sort of usual platforms as well as Bandcamp, SoundCloud, etc. Lovely stuff. Lovely. Uh, we'll go down again. So, Tota? Yeah. Uh, so, for the music itself, uh, it's vapor wavy, synth wavy, um, retro 80s nostalgic. Uh, but I, I truly am not afraid to take any influence. Uh, so, they sometimes go off the rails uh, if you're looking for purely synthwave music um but i i think you should give it a try um you can find the music on any streaming services as with everyone spotify apple music and such and the socials i guess my instagram is most active so at tota's voice on instagram and you'll see little sneak peeks and videos of stuff i do marvelous lovely stuff right carmen noodles uh yeah so uh, if you like uh, beats, guitar, and synth, then maybe you'll like my music. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you can find it on Spotify, Instagram, at, at Noodles. Um Yeah, I guess technically the drummer would be lo-fi, but there's a lot of synth in there, so if you're a synthwave lover, a synthwavian, as I've heard many times on this uh, podcast, then uh, maybe maybe you'll like it. Are you, are you still in the Netherlands? You still in the I Netherlands, am. right? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From Rijswijk in the Netherlands. Bryce How far is that yeah. from Amsterdam? I, uh, I judge everything by <laughs> distance from there. <laughs> I actually I actually went to a, a jam session yesterday in Amsterdam and it took oh, me you? about an hour and a half door to door. Yeah. Are you from the Netherlands originally or not? Um I'm I I've yeah, kind no, I I've lived here a long time, but I'm originally from uh, my family are from Manchester, so I did think that that was a uh, an accent that <laughs> probably hadn't originated <laughs> in the Netherlands. Yeah, <laughs> it's just outside of Amsterdam. Everyone sounds like this. <laughs> All right, okay, that's good. <laughs> and um, Ghost Georgie. Um, yeah, I. It's not so much synthwave as it is um, dream pop and um, synth pop. You know, a lot of synths, but um, as far as really sticking to that genre, you know, I don't. It's very vocal. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, soundscapes and, and, um, you know, vibey. Um, so it's not super 80. Sometimes it kind of overlaps, you know, but, um, but yeah, if you like, um, chill 
pop, uh, synth pop singer songwriter kind of stuff. Um, you'll dig it. Um, I'm on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Um, I'm also most in, uh, active on Instagram, um, and it's all at Ghost Georgie. Um, but I'm on Twitter as well, and um, my website is uh, just ghostgeorgie.com if you want to you know, find me. Fantastic. <laughs> Folks, I'll put all that in the episode notes. Thank you for listening to our show. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate our show on Apple Podcasts. Whoa, before you go, make sure to snag your free test master from Synth Music Mastering. Imagine enhancing your music with my steadfast dedication to quality and that personalized touch. And here's the kicker, it's absolutely free, no cost at all. Simply head over to synthmusicmastering.com or click the link in the episode description to claim your free test master.